Welcome to Media Culture and Why We Feel Like Crying So Much. Each week, we analyze everyday media objects like TikToks, reality TV shows, songs, films, and more. We hope to offer insights into our shared reality. I'm Stephanie Che. And I'm Grant Latanzi. So today, we're talking about college and uh, sort of the media components of the American college experience. But before we get into it, I actually had a little quote I wanted to share with you, if that's okay. Yeah. So I read, I got this book, um, Thich Nhat Hanh, for anyone who hasn't heard of him, is, was, um, he passed away last year, a Zen master and environmental activist. He was born in Vietnam during the war and fled to France at a, some point he had to leave um, and started the Plum Village tra tradition, sort of a practicing community of Zen Buddhists that has really sort of taken hold in the Western world. So they have some locations in Europe, they have some in America, I think some in Canada. It's, it, he's a really, really wonderful person. But anyways, he wrote this book called The Art of Communicating, where he takes premises from Zen and other sort of Eastern mystic doctrines and applies them to how do you have compassionate and intentional communication with people. So right away, you know, we both study communication or studied it formally in school. And um, so I wanted to see, like, what does a Buddhist like him have to say about communication? And this is, it's short, but this is the opening paragraph. The whole book, The Art of Communicating, starts with this. Nothing can survive without food. Everything we consume acts either to heal us or to poison us. We tend to think of nourishment only as what we take in through our mouths, but what we consume with our eyes, our ears, our noses, our tongues, and our bodies is also food. The conversations going on around us and those we participate in are also food. Are we consuming and creating the kind of food that is healthy for us and helps us grow? So that's how he starts it. And I, I, I was just floored by that, that here we have a book on communicating, on, on crafting messages, but it begins with consumption and what messages are going in. And by, he talks about social media throughout this book. This is one of his last books. He wrote it in 2013. What are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you buy that how we communicate is influenced by the ingoing messages? Even like, I'm thinking like, he talks about the discussions we're a part of. So I thought about like the discourses online that you and I are constantly talking about. Do you think those influence then what comes out as well as what goes in? I think it definitely has to. Like we wouldn't be having this conversation if I didn't go to grad school and was a part of all those conversations in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Like this conversation wouldn't be happening. That's really interesting. Yeah, I was kind of floored by that. I was really surprised that consumption was at the center of it. Especially like when you think about how much of our lives are media consumption. Mm -hmm. I don't know what your screen time is. We don't have to do screen time reveal right now. But <laughs> I sometimes I find myself like I'll hear a word or phrase. Either someone I know will say it or it'll be like in media somewhere. And I won't even be like, oh, that's a good phrase. But then later I'll like catch myself using it mm -hmm. or the word I'll be like, oh, I just used that word. But I won't even like, it's not conscious. So I think part of that process is maybe unintentional. I don't know. I think in a previous episode, you talked about 
like slang and how we use slang. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking about how like, so I am 26, and I feel like even at the age of 26, I am out of the like youth slang. And so I remember when I like first started grad school, somebody looked at me and was like, "Do you think that's camp?" And I was <laughs> like, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> And then as I was exposed to that type of language, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, now I understand what this means. Do I use it? Not really, because I still don't quite know how to like put it into use, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had my first, I'm 25, and I I remember vividly last summer, I had my first experience like that, where like someone commented on a TikTok I made commented on something I posted they said based and I was like I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult <laughs> did you look it up or did yeah you... <laughs> I looked it up I think it's a compliment I think or I guess it has like a positive connotation I think it's supposed to be like based this this is probably so wrong and I bet teens are would think somebody funny, but respond to yeah us and... we needed like a youth correspondent or something yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that was my little, from my, my routine media use. Uh, did you have anything this week interesting? I know you started classes. You know? Oh, I, so not class related at all, but we did and go watch Avatar. Ah, okay. uh, The second movie. I really liked it. I thought it was a beautifully done movie, but the part that I wanted to talk about were the ads um beforehand I guess they're not ads they're like what previews trailers Um, yeah trailers yeah it's been a while since I watched a movie in theater but I there were two the first one there weren't just two previews that would be a miracle there were so (laughs) many but the two that I am thinking of right now one was with Tom Cruise and I think it was a Mission Impossible movie. I have not watched any of the Mission Impossible movies. They're all the same goddamn movie. Oh, I bet. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Is Tom Cruise in every single one? I, um, I think so. How am I studying media and not know the answer to that? Oh, that's the power of Scientology. <laughs> He's in Scientology? It's Tom Cruise is like the entire PR wing of the Church of Scientology. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, again, how am I a media? <laughs> Not knowing this. Um, but yeah, it was a promo for the new Mission Impossible movie. And the entire thing was them, they built a ramp off a cliff. And they were, they talked about the building of that ramp, what went into going into the building of the ramp, stuff like that. And they showed them doing multiple takes of this man on a motorcycle going on the ramp jumping off and like they had footage of the camera people behind them um the people in the room is it tom cruise going off the ramp yes yeah he does his own stunts he's always yeah incredible um but yeah that was like the entire promo for it and like at the end they did show the like movie cut of it Mm -hmm. um and i was so invested i was like this is how you get somebody to go watch a movie but also I love video and filming and editing and all of that so like that's what really drew me and I don't know if that would work for other people but I was mm-hmm. like this is this is it like a sequence of action things short things blowing up cool it's fun maybe I'll go watch it but this I was like I actually want to watch it and then later on they did another one with Michael Jordan and 
his new movie and he was talking about the film and like what went into it and like his attachment to it and was like again this is making me want to see it more than a sequence of shots from the movie yeah yeah huh interesting Mm -hmm. i remember seeing an ad just like the one you described for mission impossible for like i think it was two mission impossibles ago it was before (laughs) the one with henry cavill Mm -hmm. um it was tom cruise like gets locked outside an airplane as it's taking off and they did it they actually did that where he's harnessed to the outside of an airplane and in the final shot it looks like he's just holding on um, but he, yeah, so they strapped him to the outside of mm-hmm. it's, it looks like a military cargo plane, I think. And just, they would just take off and take off and then land and take off again and land while he's strapped outside. But you, what you were saying about how those ads sort of spoke to your, or like captured your interest as a media maker so in our current system, there are so many of us that can make media. And so I can't help but wonder if that's part of what can justify that type of trailer because mm-hmm. so many people are interested in how the, the, the um, I don't know, how the sausage gets made, I guess. Yeah. I'm a big fan. <laughs> it's cool. But we're here to talk about college. Oh, what a time college was. I attended, can we say what schools we went to? I'm wearing a hat. I think with so. My school <laughs> on it, so. I went to Texas Christian University, who just three short days ago had the most devastating loss in the national championship to Georgia. And I am going to come clean and let you know right now, I didn't watch a single game this season. (laughs) However, I was kept up to date with all the comings and goings of the football team and like all the big players, all the major plays and most exciting games purely through my remaining ties to other alumni on Instagram. It, I felt like I was a part of the like football watching community because I just was regularly using Instagram. So I've been thinking about college a lot. Tell me, so where'd you go to college? So I went to Mary Washington, uh, University of Mary Washington. It's not a big school. We didn't have a football team. Um, We were known for our rugby and basketball and swim. Small liberal arts college. About how big do you know? I think it was, I think it was around 4,000 students, which my secondary school, which was my middle school and high school in one building, um, that was 4,000 students. So. <laughs> Did you like, were you more interested in a small school when you were like, what was, what was the process of selecting a college like for you? Very interesting question. Um, I absolutely hated every single step of the process. <laughs> I like didn't know where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to go for crew because I was on the crew team for four years in high school. And I was like, as long as they have a crew team, I'm there. That kind of went out the door because I quote unquote retired after my senior year of high school, um, ended up doing crew again in college. But I really wanted to go to NYU, but that was solely because I, I knew of NYU beforehand, but I really saw it in Gossip Girl. And I was like, I'm going to go to NYU. I'm going to be like a Gossip Girl girly. Um, that did not happen. I did not get in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I 
visited Mary Washington. I really liked the small campus feel. I was able to walk from one end to the other end in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I like knew everybody on campus. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. I had it. I think I had kind of the best of both worlds. We were about 12,000 students smaller when I started, but it was about 12,000 at the end. And I felt like I usually could go somewhere and see familiar faces. And then also a lot of people I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people look at my, my academic history and they're like, oh, he's probably very religious. <laughs> I went to Texas oh. Christian University and then Georgetown, which is a Jesuit institution. Um, but I went because I studied, I loved, still love the performing arts and thought I wanted to be an actor when I was starting college. So I auditioned for BFA programs, which is a ridiculously expensive and time consuming endeavor. And I really wanted to go to Michigan. They were a number one school in musical theater and I wasn't even doing musical theater, but I wanted, I was like, they're a great theater school. You know, Arthur Miller went there, all these great Broadway people went there, uh, didn't get in, got rejected from the school like twice, technically three times. If you count grad school. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but we got our revenge in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, but they, um, anyways, so I applied to 18 schools and auditioned at some and got into TCU and I went and I really liked it. I didn't even think about, um, moving to Texas. I just sort of was like, mm, I'm going to do it. I didn't even think about it. Uh, and I would have moved to Michigan without the same thought. And, and now I'm like, I don't want to fucking live in either of those places. Did you have a Facebook page for incoming students? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's how we found roommates. Like, what yeah. else Is that you how do? you met your roommate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Through social media. Yeah. Um, yeah. We would add in, like, what our interests were. Like, were we clean, not clean, night person, morning person? And then people would just comment. And that's how you met people <laughs> before you even started. <laughs> Yeah, I did random and then I met a guy at like orientation and we ended up rooming together. So my freshman year was 2016. Wow. Yeah, I can't believe it was that long ago already. And I remember like, I remember being so busy And like, I remember I would go through my phone and see, oh, I haven't closed all my apps in a week and it's just running all my programs. Um, But one app that like ran my life was GroupMe. Everyone was using GroupMe when I got to college and I had like a GroupMe with all the theater people and a GroupMe with my fraternity and with my friends from my dorm and like whatever. I just had like GroupMe after GroupMe. And then there were like, group me's for my fraternity with each sorority and they're like their pledge class that was our age so we could like invite them to parties and stuff ridiculous (laughs) Greek life is so stupid um but i remember being woken up from naps because the group me for whatever reason i felt really intense pressure to like keep engaged with the group chat and i remember it was sometimes hundreds of messages a day that would get sent in these and that was how you knew like, oh, people are going out to lunch or like something's going on this weekend. And there was, there was one guy in my program who was not on group me. And I honestly think that that like ostracized him somewhat for several years until oh he my God. finally joined. Yeah. It did was he, really, 
did he not want to join or was he like not invited yeah to he group? just like, didn't download the app <laughs> so it, yeah it was his choice and there were some other people that were like more or less active but I didn't realize it at the time. I hadn't taken any media studies courses or really even thought about the ubiquity of media. I hadn't noticed it. Mm-hmm. But now when I look back, I'm like, wow, that was that was intense. I was it was like totally plugged in to these group chats with so many more words. Now it's like I have my family group chat and like maybe a friend group chat that's kind of active. Mm-hmm. But I was so plugged in to like all these different things. And I remember it being really exhausting. And I'm, I'm wondering like what your media was like your first year of college. What were you, what were you doing on your phone? Where was your screen time? Yik yak. Yik yak. <laughs> I, was... Oh my God. See, what, it's, what, what year was your first year? 2014. 2014, 2016, yeah. no one was on Yik Yak in college. Yeah, because I think that was when they made, um, what was it? They made it not on anonymous. Was that the year? Oh, did they do that? I Yeah, they did that at some point and that like ruined the game because the entire point yeah. of it was to be anonymous. I'm thinking of a story right now of uh, I lived at the end of the hall in my dorm and there was one night where we were up really late, like like really late. Like we went to bed at 6 a.m. late and we went on Yik Yak the next morning and people were like yelling at us to shut up, which like <laughs> rightfully so. <laughs> But um, I remember that. Um, but it was a lot of, like, gossip. Mm-hmm. And who was hot on campus. And occasionally people would put in addresses for parties. But, you know, those would get taken down really quickly. Um, but, yeah, I also had group me, But it wasn't that spread out. Like, I had it with my friends and, like, the people in, um, like, our end of the hallway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't ever remember a group chat being that popular. I can't even emphasize enough how many groupies I had and how many of them were used. And how many people would you say were in each one? It depends. Like the, the, the theater one, there were like 35 of us. And we used that every day for like four years. It was actually a really important part of our cohort going through mm-hmm. now that I think about it. Um. Like we organized photo shoots in there and and all sorts of stuff. There was lots of drama in there too. Um, I'm wondering what the people that made Yik Yak thought it would be used for. Mm -hmm. And if they accounted for all the hormones that are on a college campus. Because I totally can see, like, I remember in high school, I was at like, whenever I would go to a college campus, I would check Yik Yak to see like what the students were saying. And it was usually people like, hey, yo, at the guy wearing you know, like the the cowboy hat mm-hmm. on a skateboard, like hit me up or whatever. I'm curious what they thought people would post or if that's what they anticipated. I wonder too, because Twitter was really popular at that time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Twitter was big when I started college yeah. too. So I guess there's that sense of like, I really liked the... Um, you can only talk to people in your area. And so I think like like community. Community, yeah. Twitter, like Twitter, you follow everybody and. I wonder, I wonder, I'm going to Google this right now, but like, why is Yik Yak bad that comes up? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I was going to, I'm going to say anonymous. 
Why is Zeke Yak anonymous? Was that also the time of like Ask FM? Oh man. <laughs> I was in high school for that. I might have been like 2014. Okay. For anyone who doesn't know, Ask FM was a website where you could, you made a profile <laughs> and people knew who you were as the person with the profile, but then people could anonymously ask you questions, which again gets very thirsty very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, or very I, mean very fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing is. Yik Yak, I'm thinking being anonymous, it was there hate speech? I don't remember seeing things too bad. We had a, I don't know how to phrase this. How do I phrase this? I don't want to call it a scandal, um, but we had this situation on campus our first year and Yik Yak was used on both sides. And it like added to the conversation, made things entirely worse. And a lot of it was just like shit talking. Mm-hmm. We, <laughs> God, this is so stupid. We might, I might ask you to cut this out. But when I was in high school, there was a fight on Yik Yak. So I, I was an MC for the school talent show every year, which was probably one of our bigger shows. It was like you said, you were middle high school. Mine was elementary through high school. And so we had like little kids doing cute dances. Like one year there was a girl that did a dance, two girls that did a dance to I'm Elmo and I know it, which is a Sesame Street parody of I'm sexy and I know it. And it was very cute. Uh, And you know, like dancers from the high school and old like high school bands. And it was, it was just, it was really fun. So I did, they hired the improv troupe, which is also embarrassing. We were the MCs. So we would audition the acts and do like little sketches or whatever while they were changing out the instruments. Cause it, it takes a minute. And after the show, it was some like February. I remember I, I there was a fight on Yik Yak about me. <laughs> from people from my high school. And I'm, I'm not, I hesitate to bring this up because it's stupid, but the, the topic of debate was, is Grant Latanzi attractive or not? <laughs> and there were, there were some people in the no category and some people in the yes category. And I just had to like sit there and watch. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> I think I might still have screenshots from it because I remember my my high school girlfriend at the time and like two of my friends were hanging out. Uh-huh. And one of my friends was like, Grant, you are the talk of the town tonight. And I was like, what do you mean? That's so funny. Oh God. It was, it was silly. And I remember like, I remember Twitter fights being a big thing too. Like oh. drama would go down on Twitter mm-hmm. and everyone would be talking about it the next day. And I think a lot of these things that were kind of just tossing around point to the fact that we have these kind of intense experiences with our peers in high school and college. Um, if nothing else, by virtue of the fact that we're doing the same thing with the same people so often. Mm-hmm. But then there's also like the underlying mediated component that people might experience differently. Like if someone wasn't on Yik Yak at my high school, they would have not have been part of the Grant Latanzi controversy. <laughs> um, but it's like that like is part of the like kind of underlying like interactive, I don't know, atmosphere that's going on. It, like, you're just... not part of the social scene. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, big when you're in high school and college. Yeah. 
yeah and it feels like the end of the world if you're not a part of it it feels really like oh something's wrong with me like you know at least i felt that way yes i found the screenshots i would love to see these there we go oh yeah. my god yeah, yeah i can yeah, the old interface what too. What the fuck no? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck no. ECI downvoted. That's so funny. <laughs> this is so funny. I mean, if you're looking for masculinity, so freaking hot with four downvotes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's more. And then they started talking about this is uh this guy Mark was uh -huh. he he was the other like straight white guy in theater. So we were constantly compared to each Hot other. Hot commodities. <laughs> yeah. So we also have uh, him and Mark. I mean, also four downvotes. Oh, Mark. Yes. Grant, please marry me now. And then fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and then this was the one that started it all. I remember. Because there was a big thing at my school mm -hmm. that like, it was like athletics versus the theater department. Uh. And Yeah. And, and so this was like, Grant's not athletic, but at least he can do theater. And then some people came to my defense and it started a whole thing. Oh man, I just, oh yeah, there's more. Oh there. my Fire. God. <laughs> Please and love I, me. I think a lot of these are like probably just one of my friends commenting it, but. Did you know like everybody in Oh God, You're like that class. was <laughs> Is that Instagram. you? I screenshot it. Yeah. What is that Justin Bieber hair? Oh, I know. You can't blame me. You can't. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. That's enough of my high school. But that was like, I think it's interesting that, um, even though you and I are so close in age, we have these different, very different experiences with where these apps collided with our life course. Mm -hmm. Because I can imagine Mia Kiak being much more unhinged in a college environment, too. It was insane. And also, I you might not even know this, you couldn't open Yik Yak if you were within, like, 200 feet of a school. Really? Mm-hmm. So during like school of, day, Like a high school? Mm-hmm. And if you live too close to a school, it, like, won't work at your house. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking that was interesting because it kind of made it like, oh, like that's like the after hours social media. And during the day, I got to go on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> oh, darn. I get, it's just weird. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how concrete my thoughts are on it, but I do find it strange how it's, it's just sort of like an accident that these technologies show up mm -hmm. when we are where we are in life. And then that determines like how we interact with them. If I was yeah. a couple years younger, I'm certain I would be on Be Real or would like have been on it for a while, but I'm not even on it. I'm on Be Real. Um, I know, I know. And I know a lot of people are. Yeah. Like I'm trying, I'm, I want to see how long I can go without making a new social media until it becomes like a, like you got to get on this. And so That's far funny. I haven't gotten that from Be Real. That's nice. Yeah. So this isn't college related at all, but I deleted TikTok this week. You did? Or last week. Yeah. And How's that been? It's been incredible. Um, so the first day, I I was getting really like frustrated, angry, irritated by everything I was saying. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna delete it, not open it. Three days later, I downloaded it again because I was like, I went a couple days without it. 
hopefully if I download it, I'll consume in like moderation. And the first couple videos I saw, I hated it. Mm-hmm. I like I I didn't like it, but it was the same feed from before I deleted it, and so I deleted it again. <laughs> and yeah, it's been great. Nice. Like <laughs> my screen time is so low. I bet. Yeah. I'm still on TikTok. I have limits set for like mm-hmm. usually 30 minutes a day, sometimes 15. Um, but sorry, I got distracted by another picture of me from high school. That's I need to close these. <laughs> Don't need to see those. So we recently we made a TikTok where we'll be post- posting clips from the pod, just trying to get the word out there where, where we can. Um, and I opened TikTok and started scrolling through my for you page and i was like what the fuck is this it these are all stupid and then i looked and i was like oh this isn't my algorithm and oh. i thought back to our first video it was on the media culture and why pod account which has no data on me yet i don't mm-hmm. think that immediately showed me oh yeah algorithm is that's a real thing that we were talking about what's the basic algorithm right now like being on a new tiktok account like what was showing up <laughs> Pretty generic stuff, I would say. Like, nothing. There, I didn't see anything political or, like, I don't know, weird. I, like, the only time I, I truly enjoy a TikTok, I think, is if it can surprise me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see it, like, if there's, like, a surprise ending or, like, a joke you didn't see coming. That's the kind of stuff that I think I see a lot. And I noticed with this, it was it was more things like, maybe how-to videos or um, just like generic things, I guess. And very and very popular videos too, which I mean, the For You page Makes sense. is. So I see you've got a little bit about Bart and myth and mythology, and I would love to hear what you were getting at with that. I was thinking about media about college so there are books tv shows movies all set in college so i am currently watching sex lives of college girls Mm -hmm. what a fun tv show absolutely love it um and there was this montage of them like pre-gaming and i was like "Mm, i kind of feel nostalgic for that time Mm -hmm. i was watching this and in preparing for this episode i was thinking about all of these shows and how it contributes to how we think of college. So for context, I think I've said before, but I worked in like higher education, communication and advocacy before I went to grad school. And a lot of it was like, we need to support basic needs of our students because not all students are white, rich and wealthy. Um, A lot of students like need financial aid, all of that. And so in having that discussion and seeing how like, college really is marketed and is thought of in the United States, Um, especially because we all like, at this point, quote unquote, need to go to college to have a job and stuff like that. But seeing how participation happens in college, like who's on sports teams, who's doing extracurriculars, who's working and can't participate in those things and how that impacts their path and I was watching these shows and I was like, how does this contribute to a narrative? And I thought of myth, but I don't think that I can apply Bart's like 
way of thinking of myth to this. But mm-hmm. I was like, there's a myth around college and what it is, what you do there, who goes there, and like what yeah. happens. Yeah. I get what you're saying. That it's not exactly like a mythology the way that Barb talks about it. But it is like, I think that myth is still, maybe even just in the normal use, a pretty good word for it. There is this, Mm -hmm. I think it's a very American myth of like the four-year college. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, when people say like, oh, college is the best years of your life, like, how sad is that? Is it like, how does that not make you feel sad? Let's not let's not forget that college is the most expensive thing that a lot of people may ever buy. Mm-hmm. And when you look at how it's mediated in these stories, that's kind of in a lot of ways glanced over. Not in all of them. Like I think there are some movies and TV shows where there might be a character working through college or like saving up for college but it's still very romanticized and i remember feeling i would have nights in college where i was alone obviously doing whatever and i remember feeling like i was doing something wrong because in the media i'd seen college was supposed to be like a non-stop social gathering mm-hmm. and i felt like something must be wrong with me if i wasn't doing that and I look back now and I think that was so silly, especially because like as an adult, you spend a lot of time alone. Um, at least or I Or aspire I yeah. to have <laughs> yeah. alone time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting because you can't experience college until you experience it. So you need, in most cases, you need a high school degree. Most people are probably around voting age. Some people younger, I know, some people older. But I, and we're talking about undergrad, by the way, grad school and, and the, um, you know, certificate programs, things like that. That's a different story. Um, but with undergrad, I feel like you go through, you grow up in the media system that you grow up in, whatever period in history that is, and you learn about college or you see college through that system. You can't like know what college is really until you go, but you can see it in media. And so I think a lot of people take that as like a, bit of truth to what college is Mm -hmm. and it is but it's also not because the people you see in in the media on college seem i don't know first of all usually not college age usually older usually like they seem i don't know it's just much neater and much more like like it makes college out to be like something that is your life Mm -hmm. and not necessarily like something that you do it, what I'm getting at is I think that the media in a very real way shapes what college is because it shapes people's experiences. And expectations. Expectations, yes. Yeah. And, and regardless of if those expectations are fulfilled, uh, the, the experience is assessed in light of those expectations. Did you like college? It's a hard question. <laughs> um, I did. I so freshman year, I absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I got there, academics were different. I was in control of my time. All that mm-hmm. different, you know. It's an adjustment. 
Um, yeah. I did like the rest of it because I was really into the social scene. Like I was in a major that I really liked. It took me like five separate times to get to that major though. But yeah, I generally liked it. Um, I think what I liked about it though is one very unique to college based on like how things are set up right now. And so the parts that I really liked were the fact that I can walk to my friend's houses or apartments or dorms. Mm-hmm. Everything was in walking distance. My work, classes, friends, eating, parties, all of that. Yeah. I've heard that take before that like the thing that's so wonderful. Because living on a college campus, I do remember really enjoying that. Um, and I think it is like it's it simulates a small walkable community. Mm-hmm. And that is just great. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I, I remember feeling like so happy to be a part of a community and not even like wanting to be an individual to, this is, might be part of my experience, but so TCU, like their branding apparatus is really, really effective. And, um, again, like I loved TCU. I loved going there. I had a great time. I, I had also like a major that I really liked. I stayed in my theater major even after I sort of switched career paths um, and was able to sort of just explore my interests. And that was awesome. And I, you know, I made some good friends. I had a good time. But I wouldn't say it was the best four years of my life. I would say it was a good four years. Yeah. Um, I just think that's such a... <laughs> You know, that, that's not necessarily like a consequence of the media system that, that people say that, but I think it is sort of a harmful slogan that people use because it puts that pressure. Yeah. Best, best four years of your life. And then it's also, you graduate and it's like, now what? It's like, oh, now I have the literally the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. and you're telling me that the past four years, if, you know, you graduated within the expected four years. Exactly. Um, Which is another part of the myth, I would say. Yeah. Do you ever see ads for colleges? Yes. Me too. I see them a lot during football games or like on YouTube ads. YouTube ads. So Tyson's Corner, the mall in Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. um, they used to have ads for my college. Like on their like rotating thing of things. I was like, this is so fucking weird. <laughs> like... Every time I fly to Texas, I see ads for TCU in the airport. Oh, that's what I was saying. Um, TCU's branding apparatus is really effective. You've seen at Georgetown, right? The Georgetown undergrads, which say I have three Georgetown sweatshirts. <laughs> uh, but uh, they all wear their Georgetown stuff. There's a lot of Georgetown school spirit. And I think that's a really fun community thing to be a part of. I enjoyed mm-hmm. having that school spirit. I forgot to mention I was a campus tour guide, which we can talk about in a of minute. Of course you were. I, yeah, I was very involved in college. Um, but... Uh, I remember being like, this was a real thought that was in my head. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of the community and like fit in with everyone? Mm-hmm. I think it came from like me getting so much out of that because I don't yeah. think we really experience community in a lot of contexts anymore. So I think it was me like experiencing that and being like, why wouldn't you want to fully partake in that? Not mm-hmm. knowing that there are ways to probably rectify being an individual, but still part of the community. Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about vlogs of 
people who went to college, um, people doing like day in the life of like a Syracuse student or Harvard student, Yale student, you know, big name schools um, mm-hmm. and how much more like personal that experience is shown. So like when you think of movies, it's a very broad, sometimes it's not even a, a real name institution. Um mm-hmm. Whereas, like, with these vlogs, you know they're a real person going to real classes, real events, and stuff like that. And how that might shape your view when you go there or want to go there or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Harvard specifically. Because I think Harvard and Yale, I'd say, like, Harvard, Yale, and Columbia among the Ivies. And then there's a few other schools that, like, if there is a student or a young person in a piece of media that is smart and about to go to college, those schools will probably come up. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like Georgetown comes up a lot in yeah. those two. Like I hear that in media and I'm like, hey, uh, TCU, I've heard once it was in a Stephen King book, which is still pretty cool. Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like someone wears a TCU hat and he mentions That's it. so funny. Um, but I think like that's a weird thing that these institutions of knowledge have been picked up as sort of like a shortcut to show that people are smart. And I think it also kind of elevates them to this weird, almost fantastical state where people start to think like there's secrets that you might learn at Harvard or Yale that you can't learn anywhere else. Don't get me wrong. The power of a good instructor is, I mean, having a good teacher can be Mm life-changing. And I'm sure there are great teachers at those institutions, but I don't, I, I doubt that it's really that different than the undergrad experience at other places. And yet it is held as like this pristine and, and almost, almost superhuman feat to have a degree mm-hmm. from one of these institutions. Mm, yeah. And I think there's so many problems with that because you know you touched on it but these are not accessible th- degrees this is there is a significant amount of resources and support and um i guess cultural capital that mm-hmm. that needs to go with getting into these institutions i i would love to app, go on the street and like just ask random people like what do you think of harvard i would love to do that sort of survey because at the end of the day, like it's a, it's an institution of knowledge. It's they produce research and they produce diplomas, and yet it's so special in how we think about it. I want to have this as a separate episode later on, but I uh, in Gossip Girl, Georgetown is mentioned because mm-hmm. Blair is dating this guy who lied to her and he's actually a lord of some place in England, but he is pretending to be a commoner <laughs> to see what people actually like think of him and they're dating. And he lied and said that he went to Georgetown, but to another character, he, to Chuck, apparently he said like Princeton or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's this back and forth and Chuck is like, he didn't go to Georgetown. And she's like, yeah, he did. Like, he's always talking about his crew division. And they go back and forth saying, like, Georgetown, Princeton, Georgetown, Princeton. And that's, like, the most I've heard our school name. Like, yeah. In, yeah. So it was really weird. But all that to say um, of how, because it's in 
a TV show. Like, Gossip Girl is based in New York City, but I also mm-hmm. wanted to talk about, like, this fantasy around New York City, um, especially with you living there. Would love to have that discussion. Yeah. But the, like, fantasy around, like, Georgetown, Harvard, Yale, all of that, it, like, doesn't seem like a real place because yeah. it's in a TV show. Because it's like, oh, it's in a TV show. It must be, like, yeah. created. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like if I showed up at uh, Central Perk, you know, the coffee shop from Friends. It, it's like wow, or you know, when a kid meets Iron Man and they're mm-hmm. freaking out because Iron. I think that's the closest experience to meeting God that a person can feel is <laughs> a kid meeting a superhero and not really being able to discern like this person's been on a screen and like out of reach and now they're in reach somehow. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that's like meeting God and I will not explain. <laughs> um, you bring up a good point about New York. Yeah, it's very like, it's very romanticized. And then it's also like depicted as just a cesspool of crime and drugs. And it is neither. <laughs> it's just a place in my experience and a really vibrant place and a lot of people. There's an essay that I was thinking of talking about today from that same website with the semiotics for beginners. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, it was like media and selective attention and how it leaves things out. So like when college is mediated in these shows or when New York is mediated in shows or on social media now, what is left out? of that so like when someone is filming a day in the life of a college student Mm -hmm. are you seeing the shower shoes and shower caddy that was a very real thing for me and it was stupid (laughs) um (laughs) are they seeing like you know binge drinking yeah that's a big part of mediating the college experience Mm -hmm. and then also in my experience a big part of the college experience um like what you see it's goes back to what i've said a few times but like what you see can become what there is yeah and so what what else i want to brainstorm for a sec what else is left out of how we mediate university the hidden costs yeah of like parking costs trying to find parking i spent like 20 minutes trying to find parking the other day on georgetown's campus like I didn't show any of that. <laughs> TCU didn't have enough parking spaces for all of us. And so it was How? just like, you just had to like get a ticket if you wanted yeah. to go to class. It was insane. Oh, I remember having endless conversations about the parking. Um, I think. Dining uh, hall food. Dining hall food. Well, yeah. I, I mean, they do show that in like most tv shows but how much of it is real dining hall food and how right much of it and is also food. you can't experience it day after day just from a tv show but when it's day after day of that sodexo catered shit like yep you also at sodexo <laughs> yeah yeah sodexo yeah. caters most college dining halls um we also had restaurants on campus that were pretty good mm-hmm. um but yeah i think that was left out i think all sorts of experiences outside traditional areas of study are left out. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think- Office hours. Usually like in a TV show, when they show office hours, it's either, but well, in most cases, they are being called in because they're not doing well in a class. Like they don't show the like- Which would never the, happen in college. They just let you fail. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, like you don't go and like see a character getting help on a paper, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Adding to the myth of office hours and how every student should really utilize office hours. Yeah. And I think there's also in that same vein, there's a myth of academia and what it's like to be an academic is very romanticized. Like mm-hmm. being an academic kind of sucks. <laughs> it's a lot of hours, a lot of work and compared to industry pay can be not as good. Yeah. Um, said as someone who wants to get a doctorate, but that's neither here nor there. I wanted to go back to like when you when you go to these places that are so hyped up. Like let's let's keep Georgetown as an example. Georgetown buildings, not very nice. A lot of them are pretty small and old, and you know might not have AC and uh, no windows. No windows. Uh, there was last year, not a class that I was in, but one my advisor was teaching, a dead rat fell out of the ceiling. No. <laughs> yep. Um, Why did you like, tell me that? I, yeah, it was in, um, I think it was in the ICC. Okay, I'm never in that building. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Oh, you're never in there? I had like four classes in there and those were the worst classrooms. Um, really? I've only mm-hmm. been to that coffee shop on that like main level, but. I also had an 8 a.m. advanced statistical research methods course as a final semester graduate student. Ew. Like, <laughs> am, I a, am I a freshman? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know why I did it. It was, <laughs> I learned about a month into the semester that I was like, I've learned enough statistics that I need to know as a qualitative guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. That's another example of like the myth or the expectation from media sets you up and then it it doesn't pan out that way because mm-hmm. media leaves stuff out. Yeah. And I think a lot of what is left out is like the fact that time passes. Like the dining hall food. That could be and it there could be a joke in a show about college dining hall food being bad or it could be shown as really good, but regardless when you experience it, you have it every day. And you, there's other things that like every day the shower shoes, it's not just once. Mm-hmm. And so when those things become part of your daily life is where you start to understand them more and what they yeah. really are. But I think that um, that's complicated by comparing it to the media experience. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna write that down, comparing real experiences to the media experience. Cause I feel like that's something that I do often. Like, yes, I think about my experience at work or like working out and like I take the mediated version of that and try to Mm -hmm. fit it and then get upset that I don't fit it. When in reality, the reason I don't fit is because maybe because the media is not big enough to capture the whole thing. Yeah. I also think like how with TikTok and vlogs and stuff like that, how that can become more not like dangerous, but like critical so like you see the day in the life of what like a marketer and in the morning they wake up at 5 a.m and they go to yoga green juice then they work and then afterwards they get drinks with friends like all of this is now quote-unquote a real person there's no like industry set script for them not filmed Mm -hmm. by like like a camera crew you know like i think that adds i think that's Dangerous is not the word, but, like, I think that sucks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, like, I also want to acknowledge that I also make 
daily vlogs and stuff like that. So like, do I contribute to this? Probably, but. Do you think that people that make videos or maybe when you make the video, like, do you think that's actually an average day? Or is that like their best day possible that they're just doing for the video? I think sometimes, so I've done this before of like, if I want to film that day, I'll actually get more like chores and errands done because I'm like, oh, if I can film it, like I'll just like actually do it. Whereas like other days, there are times where I like forget to film. Like I didn't film us posting our uh, podcast this morning. I haven't filmed any of this besides like how we're recording right now. Um, and so like even doing it afterwards, that is still a retelling of what actually happened. Mm. And I think that's still like not a false narrative, but a narrative. That's, <laughs> that's so interesting though. So you, you feel like you might be more productive or, or like have more to share if you are ready to share. Like mm -hmm. that, cause you know, like there's a name for it. It's named after the guy who made the discovery, but in the social sciences, it's, it's the something effect where people change their behavior when they know they're being watched. Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was found in an organizational study where it was like, this guy was coming in to study, to do research on like the productivity of some employees. Because mm -hmm. they, they like knew there were some productivity issues or something. But then when he got there, there weren't any. And he concluded that people changed their behavior because they knew they were being watched. It kind of sounds like you did that. You changed your behavior because you knew it was being mediated. Yeah. It, which, and I was the one mediating it. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that you're the one mediating it. But it also makes perfect sense. Like, I think even if thinking about it, when I was getting my, my acting degree, you know, we were performing in class once a week, you know, every other week. So doing monologues or short scene work often, and usually it was recorded. And I remember like, yeah, I would definitely feel more like, oh, I got to make sure my posture is good. And I, <laughs> I guess I should do that now because I'm I know, recorded, but I'm always like <laughs> splayed out in my, in my chair. Yeah. Um, I'm just fidgety and I'm just trying to like embrace it. Um, but that's weird because, and it makes me wonder like how, how real can media get then? You and I talked about Finstas. Mm -hmm. And I really want to talk about that. Too. So Finstas, I never had one. Um, I knew people who had them, but when we were talking about it, I was thinking about um, like the realness of being online. So you have your public Instagram where you post like, pretty accomplishments usually that's how instagrams go but then you mm -hmm. have a finsta can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about like what goes into a finsta sure so i yeah uh this is something that kind of started when my freshman year of college which is part of the reason i wrote it down on our little thing but finsta in my understanding it's fake instagram and it's basically it's not fake though it's just like your second account this was before close friend stories that's important and it was basically a typically private account, usually like a little more meme -y than a real Instagram. Like you could post whatever you wanted, you know, ugly selfies, like saying like, I fucking hate my professor or whatever. Um, and it was this practice that people did and you would follow Finstas and you you'd normally, if you followed a Finsta, you'd follow it with your Finsta. Mm -hmm. Mine was called a uh, Finsta Grant, which I thought was Incredible. Very funny. Um, <laughs> 
Well, that was taken. So it was Finsta Grant for 2069. And it's it's inactive now. No one can follow it. Sorry. Um, but it was basically like social media, like you said, is very polished. And it's a word that this um, very famous American sociologist, Irving Goffman, coined is it's front stage. So if we equate social behavior to taking place on a stage, it's either uh, like in a theater performance, front stage in front of the audience or backstage with the performance team, which is really like your close friends and uh, I guess like comrades that um, can see like the real you or the less polished you. And that's the Finsta was pretty cool. It was like the virtual, it was like a virtual backstage where I could vent and be myself and not have to like look good or sound good or be interesting even. And we could all interact that way. And I, I think Instagram kind of saw that and was like, oh, we'll give them the close friends list. And I think that sort of took that mm -hmm. away. It's a weird parallel of like, because there's also front and backstage behavior in real life. Like I would say this is a pretty you know, the parts of this that we know are going to go into the pod are very front stage. But when we say like this, we might cut this out or whatever, it's a little more backstage and we can kind of, it takes the, the pressure off a little bit. And I remember in Finsta's being so goddamn funny and so personal. Like people really, you would hear all like if they fought with their mom or like whatever, it, it went on Finsta. I never was really into like Finsta's and like the close friends thing I think I've used like once in my mm -hmm. life. Um, so no matter how like, I think that happened on Snapchat. I think that's what we use Snapchat for. is mm -hmm. all like the mm -hmm. drinking and the rants and stuff like that. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I think Snapchat is still that way. It's pretty backstage. Yeah. But like in, but it's still a mediated thing. Like you're still deciding what to pose. So this is a question that I have a lot when it comes to media practices is like how much of this is truly authentic like you're still deciding what to post and how to edit it and stuff like that um that's a really that's a really good question you can't share everything so yeah. you have to select like what happens in that process of selection and does it impact your authenticity I guess it depends on how you do it Mm -hmm. Like, are you thinking about it in terms of sharing something that feels real or sharing something to get likes, which like, you know, also valid or sharing something to get something off your chest? Like, where does it come from? Yeah. Because it can come from so many places. But one thing's for sure is people really like to share. Hey, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Insta and TikTok at Media Culture and YPod, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>